Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidil mursalin wa khatimin nabiyyin wa ala alihi wa tayyibin wa tahirin wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin wa ba'd. Faqad qala al-nabiyyu sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alayhi wa sallam ni'matan maghbunun fihima kathirun minan nas as-sihhatu wal-faraq wa kama qala sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alayhi wa sallam. My dear respected brothers, elders, respected sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in this very brief hadith, which has been classified by the scholars as amongst the jawami' al-kalim, those words of wisdom of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which are qalilul mabani kathirul ma'ani. The words are few and the meanings are very deep. This is one of the unique attributes of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him the wisdom to say such words which were very brief and at the same time they contain many deep meanings. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa pointed that out in one hadith himself that fuddiltu ala al-anbiya'i bisittin u'tiitu jawami'a al-kalim. I have been given preference and virtue over the other anbiya and other prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with some unique attributes and amongst them is I was given the ability to speak deep words of wisdom and the scholars have gone through the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and categorized them and have collected those hadith separately and these are collections of the jawami' al-kalim the comprehensive statements of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One of such uh, comprehensive statements of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is the brief hadith I mentioned, Ni'matani maghmoonun fihima kathirun minan nasi as-sihhatu wal-faraghu or kama qala alayhi salatu wasallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam first says ni'matan, there are two blessings. And when we hear the word blessings, it brings a smile to our face, brings happiness to our heart, makes us excited. Blessings are something that we enjoy. Blessings are something that we are thankful for. Blessings are something that is good for us. Blessings have a very positive connotation. Ni'matan, two beautiful blessings. So when we hear this, we are very attracted, we are very excited, we are intrigued to, intrigued to find out what are these blessings? How can we enjoy them? How can we acquire them? How can we be deserving of them, deserving of them and worthy of, a, of uh, receiving them? So that's the first word, ni'mata, two blessings. Then the second word, it actually changes the mood altogether. It says maghboonun. Maghboon comes from ghaban. Ghaban means an extreme loss, extreme deficit. If someone buys something, in fiqh, in Kitabul Bayur, in the fiqh of commerce, there is a term called ghaban fahish. Ghaban fahish is when uh, you are deceived and you are tricked into buying something uh, and paying far greater than the actual market value of it. And you suffer that great financial loss. That is known as ghaban. Someone sells you some random stone and they present it as a diamond and they show you a certificate that this is a genuine diamond and this is a jeweler's, uh, uh, jeweler's certificate to prove that it is the actual diamond and then you, you pay 
a huge price. You pay $25,000 for this diamond ring, but later on you find out that it is just stones, like your landscaping stones outside in your yard. So what would this be called? This would be called ghaban in the Arabic language. Just to give you a, a feel of what the word means, this is a big ghaban. So this is a big loss. So Rasulullah said, Ni'matan, two blessings. Then he said, Maghbunun fihima. That people are suffering a great loss and they're losing out and they're in big deficit, not realizing the actual potential of these blessings. And who are Maghbunun fihima? Kathirun minan nas, the majority of people. The vast majority of people, the unfortunate reality is that they are losing out, losing out, losing out without realizing the great loss that they are suffering. But they do perceive not. They do not have the perception, they don't have the appreciation of what they are losing, yet they are losing. And they are losing great blessings, two great blessings. Majority of people are in extreme loss. So this is a style of Rasulullah in general you find many occasions he attracts attention. This is actually adopted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we study the tafsir of the Quran as well. That he didn't even tell us what the blessings are yet. He just gave us an introduction so that we pay attention. What are those blessings? We don't want to be losing out on them. Ya Allah, Ya Rasulullah, we don't want to miss out. And then he concludes by identifying them. As-sihhatu al-farahu. One is health and the second one is free time. Rasulullah is telling us that these blessings that we take for granted and it does not even cross us. There are certain things that we think about once in a while and then there are certain things that we think about all the time and there are certain things we never, never think about. We absolutely never crosses our mind. And one of the blessings that absolutely never crosses our mind, we just take for granted is this body that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this amana, this trust that he has given us, he's entrusted us with, how all of these internal organs, external organs, how they are working seamlessly together. In fact, even scientifically, it is defined as, you know, voluntary actions and there are involuntary actions. So when I move my hand, when I move my tongue, when you move these limbs, this is a voluntary action. There is some intention involved from your brain, the nerve and the impulses reach the particular organs and they instruct them to move and the muscles contract and then, then we have movement. And then we have what is called involuntary, involuntary actions. This is something that we are not considering to the extent that it's absolutely involuntary, it's on autopilot. All are inhaling and exhaling, every breath that we are inhaling and every breath that we are exhaling and the pumping of our heart non-stop before we were born when we were still in the fetal stage remember when you are a fetus in the womb of your mother your heart started beating and when we go to the appointments the doctors they put it on the womb the, the scope and we can hear the unborn child's beating of the heart and this beating is going to continue every day, every night of the entire life until the moment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed when the appointed time comes then the heart will stop beating 
This is a time that can neither be preponed or postponed. That is a time to return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when a person is working, his heart is beating, when a person is eating, when a person is relaxing, when a person is sleeping, and a person is sleeping, his, his perceptions have decreased, he cannot hear what is being said, he cannot see what is happening around him, and he is absolutely zoned out, yet his heart continues to beat. This is the siha that Allah has given us. It is only when the beating is now in danger, and the doctors say that there are so many blockages, and uh, we have to do a... Uh, you, have, you have to do open-heart surgery. It, then a person starts thinking about, oh, this heart is such a great blessing. Then it dawns on him. But all this time, when he was 10 years old, his heart was beating. When he was 15 years old, his heart was beating. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, six decades, all non-stop it was beating. But it never crossed his mind for 60 years how great a blessing this was. We are all in the same boat. And now when it is completely blocked, and um, we have to do bypass surgery, severely clogged heart arteries, etc. Then a person starts thinking, oh, this, my, the beating of my heart is now in, in question. How great this blessing is. How, how will I survive without the circulation of blood in my body? This is just one ni'matun minan ni'ami. This is one simple, simple blessing amongst all of the blessings in our body. We spoke about last Jumrah about Muhsin and a beautiful work they are doing regarding those who are physically challenged in their needs. And regarding that, I mentioned the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. sallam. The one who is tested by two of the most beloved blessings been taken away from him or her, and then yet they remain patient, the reward will be Jannah. This hadith is referring to Habibatay, the two beloved blessings, refers to the two eyes. So as long as we have vision, whether it's 20-20 vision or corrected with glasses, Alhamdulillah, we can see. But if Allah Ta'ala inflicted blindness upon us, then at that moment we would realize how great this blessing is. So all of these blessings we are taking for granted. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi is reminding us that this siha that you have, this physical strength that you have in your body, it is a great, great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With this strength, with this health, you can earn the pleasure of Allah. You can earn so many rewards. You have so much potential of earning the highest ranks in Jannah. But you are letting this health waste away. You're letting this youth pass by. You're letting these faculties that you have go by without earning anything. What is worse than not earning Jannah is that if you are earning Jahannam with these blessings. The highest form of kufran and ni'mah of disregarding a blessing of Allah, of being ungrateful for a blessing of Allah, is if you use the blessing given by Allah in disobeying Allah. Allah gives you a blessing. You say, oh great. Let me use this to disobey you now. So that is the worst form of using the blessing, utilizing the blessing. 
In the best form of making shukr to Allah, of thanking Allah for a blessing, is utilizing that blessing to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the heart is also filled with gratitude, and say, Ya Allah, this is your blessing. This I, Allah, you have given me. I will look at things and recognize your greatness. فَيَا عَجَبًا كَيْفَ يُعْسَى أَمْ كَيْفَ يَجْحَدُهُ الْجَاحِدُ فَفِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ لَهُ آيَةٌ تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ وَاحِدُ Like the one who was using the eyes in the correct manner, these beautiful eyes he was blessed, blessed with, utilized it in the correct manner. And he said, فَيَا عَجَبًا كَيْفَ يُعْسَى لِإِلَاهُ How strange indeed is that Allah is disobeyed. I find it very strange anyone can disobey Allah. Even stranger indeed is how can someone deny Allah? In everything around me I see the signs. They are all pointing towards the existence of the one single creator of all. So he used this eye. One of our shaykhs and teachers, he had this noble practice which I personally witnessed is that the entire Qur'an, he, is, he was a ustaz of tafsir of the Qur'an for decades, teaching Qur'an for 40 years. So the whole Qur'an was in front of his eyes at all times, all the ayats. Mawlana Suleiman sahab, So just in life, when he would come across different scenes, he would, he would just quote the ayah of the Qur'an. This is the, that would be related to that particular scene. In mundane worldly activities. One time we came out of the class with him and we came out and nothing remarkable to see. It was just a plain sky and this was the courtyard of the madrasa. So you could see the sky was open to the, there was no roof. And he just looked up and then he said, أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا إِلَى الطَّيْرِ مُسَخَّرَاتٍ فِي جَوِّ السَّمَاءِ مَا يُمْسِكُهُنَّ إِلَّا الرَّحْمَانِ مَا يُمْسِكُهُنَّ إِلَّا اللَّهِ This ayah comes both ways. When he recited this ayah, then I tried to follow his gaze. What is he looking at? And then sure enough, there was a bird that was flying. Uh, there's a bird flying, unless somebody is, like we have one student, mashallah, Allah, give him ilm and amal and taqwa. He's an avid bird watcher. When he's on the computer, I said, are you doing your homework? He's updating his bird watching website, what birds he saw. So if somebody is like him, they're watching the birds. Right? MashaAllah. But besides avid bird watchers, we don't really pay attention to which bird is flying. But this person, when he saw the bird, the, the shaykh, he said, Do they not, Allah Ta'ala says, do you not look at the birds that are flying? In the atmosphere, in the sky above you. مَا يُمْسِكُهُنَّ إِلَّا اللَّهِ مَا يُمْسِكُهُنَّ إِلَّا الرَّحْمَانِ Only the Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is keeping it aloft. So he recited this ayah. Reminding himself that if this bird is flying, it is flying with the qudra and will of Allah. And based on the design of the lift of the wings of the bird, is that's how we design the airplanes. And that is how we have the jets. So when you see a plane, you could recite the same ayah too. What is keeping the plane and jet aloft? It is the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in everything you see, you are now attributing it back to Allah. It's not difficult because anything you see by default is a khalq of Allah, creation of Allah. There's nothing around you that you have to have a second doubt. Is it created by Allah or created by someone else? Or came into existence on its own? It is created by Allah or it is a creation of the creation of Allah. So it, it's not difficult to attribute it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You just have to have 
that basira, that wisdom, to look with that view. Now this is thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of the eye. That siha that the, that of the eye. And on the other hand, taking this beautiful eye that Allah has given us and to gaze at that lustfully, which is haram, which Allah has prohibited for us. This is misusing the eye. This is kufran and ni'mah. And this is a punishable offense. This is a grave crime. So Rasulullah said, Ni'matan, two blessings. Majority of people are in a great loss. Number one, asiha is health. Let us utilize the blessings of health Allah has given us in a manner pleasing to Him. Before it is taken away. After the blessing, the blessing is truly realized when it's lost. Then it is too late. And number two is faraf, free time. <coughs> we have so much time in our lives. Many of those who are students and younger people in our educational system, it's so much time. This entire summer that is coming up, so much free time, nights and days we spend in, in complete wastage of our time. In general, the entire youth is wasting their time away. In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah will ask, وَعَنْ شَبَابِهِ فِيمَا أَبْلَاهِ How did you spend your youth? Specifically the youth will be at this period of time Allah will ask about it. So every moment that we are wasting will be asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are those who guarded their time and they did not waste their time. Since I spoke about Mustad Shaykh Sulaiman, now I recall another story of another teacher which comes to the time. Mulana Shabir Ahmad Sab. May Allah grant him health. He recently was diagnosed with cancer. So he was our Ustad and he was the, actually the principal of our madrasa. But he gave us such a practical example through his own lifestyle of how he would watch over every moment. It is very, very difficult, in fact, near impossible for anyone to match him and reach his stage. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him such a genius personality. The fact that he is a genius is absolutely accepted by everyone. Undoubtedly, without any difference of opinion, he is totally a genius. And beyond that is that how he would do at least three to four things at one time. He was a master of multitasking. Literally, this has been observed many times, that he would be talking to two people at the same time on two phones. And this is not as a joke, but because he's, he can maintain two conversations at the same time. That's why I'm saying it's difficult to reach his level. In his life, he, he never walks. Because the point of walking is to get from point A to point B. So if you're walking, then you're wasting time, per his definition. He would literally run from any work, to an, from one job to the next job, he would run. Because walking is just taking more time to get there. Even though he's now in his 60s, he's still Allah. He would run from, from any task to another task, he would run. A herd, very hurriedly walk. And one time it was, he met the entire madrasa, he put his ihram on, he was going for hajj, he made a dua and he said, Assalamu alaikum, all students, I'm leaving. And this was before Dhuhr. Then after Dhuhr, we had a Sahih Bukhari period with him. And uh, we were sitting in the class, we expected some substitute teacher to come because the teacher has gone for hajj. He's gone for Hajj, he cannot be here in the class. And then before you know it, in his classical style, 
The door burst open, and from the door, he was rushing, and he said, open page 655, hadith number 2000. Let us start, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. He starts speaking before he sits down. This is his habitual practice, not to waste a second in his life, any time. So we were very shocked that he went for Hajj, and now how come he's back and teaching us in Haram? He left 10 o'clock, now it's 2 o'clock. Then later on, we found out through some of the khuddam and servants and his, his, his uh, students, senior ones. For example, when he would travel, someone else would take his ticket and his passport, check him in, and right when the flight is boarding, everyone would be boarded, then he would just come last minute with his, just come and sit into the plane. Like coming at the gate five minutes before would be a, that's why I'm saying this is not something to be emulated by everyone, would be a, considered a waste of time for him. Because he's busy doing so many things, doing 15 things at the same time. So he would come last minute. But when he went to the airport, there was, I found out that particular day, there was some technical fault in the plane. And uh, the flight was delayed for like four to six hours. So he said that, what's the point of, uh, uh, of sitting around here or going, doing something else? Let me go back and teach. So from the airport, which is an hour away, he came back to the madrasa. And he said that to have the opportunity to, ha- to teach the hadith of Rasulullah wasallam is such a great virtue. Why should I give it up waiting around? So I came back to teach. Actually, let me correct that. Because I was not planning to share the story, so it comes to mind now. This was not even his period. I believe it was a Tirmidhi period. That is why it was even more shocking. He came into the period of another teacher... Over, as the principal, he overruled it and said that I'm going, you can substitute when I'm gone. Let me take your class and continue to teach Sahih Bukhari in your period so that I have opportunity to teach more before I leave. So we were absolutely expecting Shaykh Muhammad, Muhammad Ali and Mona Shabir Saab walks in. Why? Because I have, I, have, I have, my plane is delayed. Let me go and teach hadith of Rasulullah This is, one time he was in Dubai and his flight got missed and over there they gave him some hotel voucher and they said your flight is the next day so he had one one whole day he said what can I do I'm sitting here in Dubai if it was me and you we would say let us go touring there's so many sights to see so many beautiful worldly things to see he said this is an opportunity for me I'm so near Baytullah he was itching let me go to Baytullah so he went to the other ticket counter and he bought a ticket while he's in transit and his flight got delayed, he bought a ticket to Jeddah. Then he went to Jeddah, he went and performed Umrah. After performing Umrah, he, he got a taxi and he went to Medina. He performed the Tahajjud in Riyadhul Jannah. When it's impossible to go anywhere, Allah opens it for him because of his talab. This is a well-known documented like, miracle of his. When it's completely blocked, he would go all the way in. Whether it's to the Hatim, whether it's to the front stuff by the Kaaba, whether it's by the Roda, wherever it may be. He performed tahajjud there, performed, said salam to Rasulullah, performed fajr in jama'ah there. Then he told the taxi driver, let's go. You would expect him to go back to Jeddah. He said, no, I have time, I can get another umrah. Let's go to Makkah. So the taxi driver said, I'm, I'm too tired, I need to rest, I just drove. I need to sleep now. He said, move over, I'll drive. So he drove to Makkah, did another umrah. Then went to Jeddah, caught his flight back. You don't need a visa for transit for a very short period of time. Without a visa, he did perform this. So this is, somebody called him and said, how is the situation in the mataf? So he said, between Asr and Maghrib, it's very clear now, I performed seven tawaf. Seven tawaf between Asr and Maghrib. 49 circumambulations. 
So this is an example what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ That this by time, verily man is in a loss. We are losing this time. So imagine on the day of Qiyamah, we, when, when his amal, book of deeds is opened up, how many amal will be in there? How many amal will be in there? And how few, if we don't change our way of life, will be in our amal? Hours is nothing. Days and weeks and months. Uh, I mean years and years and years and years and decades we are wasting away. But these people who are conscious of the time, every single second, they'll be doing multiple things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a'mal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among the qaleel, not the kathir. The kathirun min nas majority of the people are wasting these blessings. But let us be among those few who the siha and faraq, the health and the free time. We utilize these blessings in a manner pleasing to Allah and guarantee and secure for ourselves the highest levels in Jannah. Jazakumullah. May Allah give us tawfiq to make our amal. Let us perform sunnah.